Many people think that following Jesus involves a blind leap of faith. Faith shouldn't need reasons. Faith shouldn't need evidence. Faith just closes its eyes and jumps. That's what a lot of people think. But that's not what you find in the Bible. Throughout the Bible, God gives us evidence for who he is, gives us reasons to believe that Jesus is the Messiah he promised to send. Reasons and evidences are throughout the scriptures. Reasons we should put our trust in Jesus Christ, which will result in him being the very center of our lives. Reason after reason after reason. And that's what we're going to see tonight in Matthew's description of the wise men coming to Bethlehem, the Magi coming. Now you might be thinking, okay, wait a minute, not so fast. You're talking about reading what Matthew says about the wise men. Why should we believe what Matthew says? That's a good question. You're being kind of hard tonight, but okay, that's a good question. Let me give you some of the most powerful reasons that have persuaded me to trust what Matthew says. One is because Matthew was a tax collector. He was a savvy, street-smart businessman. Not easily duped, misled by hype or sensationalism. That's who wrote the Gospel of Matthew. Before he was following Jesus, he was a tax collector. Also, when you think about it, Matthew risked his life to write this gospel. Because followers of Jesus were often imprisoned and sometimes killed for the truth they believed and proclaimed about Jesus. And so, think about it, nobody's going to risk their life for something they know is false. Matthew wouldn't have done that. Another reason is Matthew bases his gospel on eyewitness accounts. What he himself had seen, or what he'd heard from others who he knew and they had seen. Eyewitness accounts. Also, it's clear that Matthew is writing history. He's not writing a fairy tale or a legend or a fable. He's writing history. We saw that in what Kristen just read, that line that says, Matthew read, says, the wise men came in the days of Herod. He, he puts that in history. He roots that in history. One last reason, maybe one of the most important ones. When you read Matthew's Gospel and, and the whole Bible with an, an open heart and a hungry spirit within you, you will have times when you meet God himself in the truths that Matthew writes. Your heart will be stirred. You will be comforted. You'll be strengthened. You'll be filled. You will meet God himself as he confirms to you that this is God's very words written through Matthew. So those are some reasons why we should trust what Matthew writes. And in Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, Matthew tells us about these wise men from the east who visited Jerusalem. And as I studied this passage, 
What I saw was that Matthew's giving us reason after reason after reason for why we should put our trust in Jesus Christ or strengthen our trust in Jesus Christ, which will result in him being at the very center of our lives. This passage is full of reasons. In fact, I counted eight of them, eight reasons. I'm going to go through them tonight. Now, young people, this is your chance. On the way home, ask your parents, name the eight reasons, and then you check to see if they got them or not, okay? Take careful note. So what are these eight reasons? The first reason is this. These wise men, these magi, were not Jewish. It's really important to understand. They were not Jewish. Look at verse 1 again. Matthew writes, Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. Now, the word for wise men, that can be translated magi, and that's a word that comes from the east, from Babylon, from Persia. It can refer to men who were like magicians or fortune tellers, for example, but it also can refer to men who were more like philosophers, theologians who studied the ancient religious texts and talked about spiritual things together. That's magi. And notice that these magi came from the east, east of Jerusalem. So if you go straight east from Jerusalem, you come first of all to Babylon, and then if you go further, you come to Persia, neither of which are Jewish. So the point I want you to see is that these men being magi from the east shows that they are not Jewish. Now, why is that so important? It's because these magi from the east come to worship the Jewish Messiah. That's why something must have happened in them to change their lives, to transform their thinking, because they were coming to worship the Jewish Messiah, Jesus. That's my first reason. Second reason, they travel a long way. Again, look at verse 2, the phrase, from the east. I said, if you go straight east, you come to Babylon. Babylon's about 1,100 kilometers from Jerusalem. That's a long way. That's like a 40-day difficult camel trip through desert. 40 days. So this was not just a day trip for these guys. It's not just a weekend jaunt. This is a major venture that they were on. They were serious. They'd come a long, long ways. They were going to devote more than a month to getting there, and then another month to getting back, which shows how important Jesus' birth was to them. This is very significant. This is focus, the whole focus of their life for two-plus months. That's another reason that we should put our trust in Jesus Christ, our trust in Him which will result in him being the very center of our lives. Third reason. This is amazing. These men knew about the Jewish Messiah. Look at verses 1 and 2 again. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. Now think about it. These wise men who'd come from 1,100 kilometers to the east knew that the king of the Jews had been born. 
And this is shocking for at least two reasons. One, the Jews had not had their own king for over 500 years. It's not like one of their kings is born every 30 or 40 years. They, they, these guys got it right. I mean, no, it's been over 500 years. Think about that. We're in 2023 right now, so 500 years would take us back to what? 1523. That's a long time. That's how long Israel had been without their own king. Now, we know that Rome had appointed Herod to be the king over them, but he wasn't their king. He wasn't in the line of David. So they didn't have a king, and it had been 500 years since they did. But here, these wise men, magi, come from 1,100 kilometers to the east. They're saying, he's been born. Where is he? The king of the Jews. A second reason that's so stunning is because the Old Testament prophesied that the new king would be born, who would be the Messiah. So for, for those 500 years, there's prophecies, the new king is going to be born, that the Messiah is going to be born. This Messiah who, as we sang tonight, is Emmanuel, God with us, fully man and fully God. God is here on earth in this Messiah. That prophecy had been going on for many, many, many years. And now these wise men from the East come in and say, where is he? He's been born. We know he's been born. Now, how did these magi learn about Jesus the Messiah from 1,100 kilometers to the east? We can't be sure, okay? Um, we, we don't want to speculate too much. Let me just speculate, just a, can I just speculate a little bit? Just a little bit. Imagine this scenario. This is not too far-fetched. I hope you'll agree. 700 years before Jesus was born, Daniel was taken as captive to Babylon when Jerusalem was destroyed. 700 years before Daniel went to Babylon, Daniel was a godly man. He was a man of prayer. Read about Daniel in the Old Testament. He loved the scriptures. He was waiting for the Messiah. Daniel chapter 5 verse 2 says that he was put in charge of the Magi. He was in charge of all the Magi in Babylon. Amazing what God did there. So it wouldn't be surprising if Daniel, this godly, fervent believer, maybe gathered some of these Magi together for a little Bible study. Maybe unrolled brothers. Let me, let me show you this. Here's a scroll of Isaiah. Okay. And imagine what would have happened if, if he would have read to them this scroll from Isaiah, this prophecy that Isaiah had made about the Messiah. Listen to this. Imagine that you're one of the Magi hearing this. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. King, king. And his name shall be called, as Pastor Josh preached about this, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. An eternal kingdom on the throne of David. He'll be in the line of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. I love this last line. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. So imagine these magi, which is the scroll of Isaiah. They just see the fire of God upon Daniel as he's reading this to them. And 
maybe, maybe they put their trust in what God would do through the Messiah as because of that Bible study. Maybe they were saved. Maybe they were forgiven for all their sins through what the Messiah would do. Maybe they passed it on to their children and to their children's children. And maybe some of those children's children were magi who were there in Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? We've heard about him. We know he's been born. Powerful picture here of what has happened to these magi. They have learned about the promised Messiah. And they knew this king of the Jews, the Messiah, had been born. Okay, that's how they maybe learned about the Messiah. How did they know he'd been born? How did that happen? Fourth reason. God used a special star to tell them of Jesus' birth and to bring them to Jerusalem. This is just amazing. I love the story. Matthew 2, chapter, chapter 2, verse 2. So the Magi are saying to people, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? Here's why we're asking this. For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. The reason they're asking about this newborn king is they have seen his star. Did you catch that? They've seen his star. They saw his star when it rose. D.A. Carson is a U.S. seminary professor, author. He's written a great commentary on the book of Matthew. And he says it's almost certain, he's, he's persuaded me, it's almost certain that Matthew is connecting the Magi's words with a prophecy from the Old Testament spoken by Balaam in Numbers chapter 24, verse 17. And the reason he thinks it's almost certain is because the wise men repeat two of the same words that were right from right in that prophecy. Let's look at that prophecy. There it is, Numbers 24, 17. Notice the word star and then the word rise or rose, which is what they had said. Numbers 24, 17, listen to this. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob, and a scepter, a king, shall rise out of Israel. It shall crush the forehead of Moab and break down all the sons of Seth, bring judgment to all the, 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 rebel, the ones who rebelled against him. Now, can you see how Magi reading this prophecy, maybe Daniel said, let's, let's check out the, the scroll of Numbers next. Can you see how Magi reading this prophecy could conclude that the birth of this king, the Messiah, God with us, would be marked by a special star. Can you see how they could have concluded that from this? So they're waiting, they're longing for the star to come, waiting for it, longing for it, waiting for it, longing for it. And then one night they saw it. There it is. God caused this special star to appear, which they knew meant the Messiah has been born. He's been born, what Daniel had told us about, or we saw in Isaiah, wherever they'd read about it or heard about it. This is another reason, this confirmation after confirmation after confirmation, Jesus Christ, born in Bethlehem, is the promised Messiah. Why we should put our trust in him. 
which will result in being the very center of our lives. That's the fourth reason. Fifth reason. These men had come to worship this newborn child. Verse 2. Magi are saying, Where is he who has been born, king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. They didn't travel to Jerusalem because they had nothing better to do, or because they got like discount tickets on the camel caravan for that week. That's not why they came. They were coming for a very specific, purposeful reason. God had shown them that the King of the Jews, the Messiah, had been born. God in the flesh, the Messiah, and they were coming to worship him. That's why they were on their way. I mean, think about this. How do you explain magi, wise men, from 1,100 kilometers to the east, traveling that far, taking over two months of their lives to travel to Jerusalem because they knew that the Jewish Messiah had been born and they wanted to come and worship him. How do you explain that? How do you explain that? It's because God had shown them who the Messiah was going to be. And God had shown them he has been born. He's here. So they saddled up the camels. We're going to go to worship. On a mission. That's the fifth reason. Sixth reason Matthew gives us. 700 years before Jesus was born, Micah had prophesied that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. Picture what's happening in Jerusalem at this time. Here are these wise men come. Everybody would have noticed. Right? They're from somewhere else. Camels, this big entourage of people, probably. And they're going around saying, where is he who's been born, king of the Jews? Do you know where he's, he is? The king of the Jews, where is he? He's been born? Where, where is he? We know he's been born. Where is he? We've come to worship him. So they're going throughout the town asking these questions. And you can just imagine the hubbub. Everybody's talking, 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 talking. So what happens next? Verse 3. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. And all Jerusalem with him. Herod thought he was the king of the Jews. Because Rome appointed him. He was not the king of the Jews. He was not in the line of David. He was not the promised Messiah. No. He wanted to be the king of the Jews. He was not, so he was very threatened to all of a sudden have people talking about the king of the Jews has been born? Where is he? Here are these magi are to come worship him. So he's threatened along with all Jerusalem, probably because they know what Herod has done to his wife and two of his kids when they started to threaten his reign, killed him. So all of Jerusalem starts to get a little troubled. He takes steps to find out where he can find this child, this baby. Verse 4. And assembling, Herod assembles all the chief priests and scribes of the people. He inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. Religious leaders, tell me, what, when, is, when is the Messiah or where is the Messiah going to be born? And Matthew tells us that they answered him by quoting the Old Testament prophet Micah who prophesied about the Messiah 700 years before Jesus was born. 
You can see their answer, including their quote from Micah in verses 5 and 6. Verse 5, they, the religious leaders, told him, Herod, in Bethlehem, he'll be born in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, and this is a quote from Matthew, uh, Micah 5, verse 2, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Think about that. Think about that prophecy. Who can prophesy the exact town that a specific baby is going to be born in 700 years in the future? Any takers? Who can do that? Only someone who knows the future. Who knows the future? God does. God knows the future because God plans the future. God prophesied through Micah that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem 700 years before. And where was Jesus born? In the little town of Bethlehem, like we see. This is more evidence for the truth of Jesus, the Messiah sent from God. Because God, only God could give this prophecy, have it be accurate. He gave it, and it was accurate. That's reason number six. Another reason to put your trust in Jesus Christ, which will result in being the very center of your life. Seventh reason. God used this special star. He'd already used it to bring them from the east to Jerusalem. Now he's going to use it again to bring them to where Jesus was. Verse 7. When Herod summoned the wise men, then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. He's lying. You know that. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Now, Herod's plan was to try to find the child Jesus and kill him. That's what his plan was. And tragically, we read later in Matthew chapter 2 that Herod kills all the young boys two years old and younger in the, in the region. Kills them all. Wants to make sure he gets Jesus, just kills him. But God had spoken to Joseph through a dream to take Jesus and Mary to Egypt, which he did, so they were safe. But what I want you to notice is how this same miraculous star now leads the Magi, the wise men, from Jerusalem, about 10 kilometers to Bethlehem, south, right where Jesus was. Now again, think about this. How can a star direct these men right to the destination? I mean, stars don't have minds and 
decided to direct this person. They, they don't do that. But this was a miraculous star. This star was controlled by God. God is doing all of this to bless them and to confirm to us that God is behind all of this, giving us reason after reason after reason after reason to put our trust in Jesus Christ. That's the seventh reason. Last reason. Eighth. This is my favorite one. These men, the wise men, the magi, responded to Jesus with joyful, humble, genuine worship. Look at how they respond, verse 10. We already read this bit. I'm going to include it in this section as well. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy because they knew Jesus. Think of how much joy that is. Matthew could have just said, they rejoiced with joy, but he wanted to help us get a feel for just how intense this joy was. They rejoiced exceedingly, that's a lot, with great joy. That's even more. So, I mean, these wise men, they were so intensely happy. I don't even know what word to use. But understand, there's a lot more going on here than just them on a little sightseeing trip to see some baby they heard something about. Much more going on than just that. This level of joy shows that they know what we've already read. They know this is the Messiah. This is the one sent by God whose death is going to pay for all the sins of all who put their trust in him. The one who's going to rise from the dead. The one who's going to pour God's love into the hearts of those who turn to him in faith. Filling our hearts, strengthening our hearts, satisfying our hearts. Who's going to give us eternal life with him forever. This is the Messiah. He's come. He's born. That's why they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. But that's not all. Look at verse 11. And going into the house. Now let me just pause there. Not the stable. Okay, that was, you know, a month, week, a couple weeks ago. That was, Jesus has already been born. He's not lying in the manger anymore. He's in a little house now. So the, to get the chronology all right here. I mean, Jesus was born, and then they traveled for at least 40 days to get there. Get the picture. So going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Amazing. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Now notice, they fell down before the child Jesus. Think about these magi. They probably splendid. I mean, who knows how they were dressed? I have no idea. But I mean, these are like dudes, okay? I mean, these are like magi, all right? And here they are, and they fall down before this child. You see that? That is total humility before one you know is your superior. They know this is their superior. They fall down before the child Jesus. And Matthew tells us that they worshipped him. Think of what that word means. They are proclaiming the truth of who he is. They are delighting in the truth of who he is. God is now with us. God's come to earth fully man, fully God. He's going to pay for sin. He's going to 
forgive us. He's going to change our hearts. He's going to rise from the dead. So they're proclaiming with great joy the truth of who the Messiah is. That's joyful worship, adoring him, loving him, praising him, worshiping him. Can you see it? Can you picture these magi just bursting forth with worship and praise and joy? That's not all. They gave him valuable gifts, very expensive gifts, gold. It's obviously expensive. Frankincense is a very valuable, sweet-smelling resin that you'd get from mingling the resins from some different kinds of trees, but get very expensive. And myrrh was a much-valued spice and perfume from Arabia. So these are precious, precious, valuable gifts. And this shows the genuineness of their worship. They aren't coming to the Messiah to get gold and frankincense and myrrh from him. They're coming to the Messiah because they want to see him. He is why they are there. Him. And they give gifts of great worth to show that he is worth more to them than these precious, valuable treasures. Take this gold. You're worth so much more to me than that. Take this frankincense. Take this myrrh as a statement of the worth of the Messiah, the child, Jesus, which shows the genuineness of their worship. They are there because they want to worship him. He is the prize. He's the reason they've come. He's who they want to be in the presence of. So picture these magi rejoicing, falling down before the child, Jesus, worshiping and giving him precious gifts. These men knew that this child before them was the Messiah, sent by God. God has come to earth in the person of Jesus. He was going to die to pay for the sins of everyone who would trust him. He's going to rise from the dead. He's giving us new life. He's going to pour God's presence into our hearts. He's here. He's here. He's here. They rejoiced, fell down, they worshiped, and they gave him precious gifts. What does this mean for us? Matthew has given us eight powerful reasons. Powerful reasons for why we should put our trust in Jesus Christ, which results in him becoming the very center of our lives. And I'm, I'm sure that some of you here tonight are not trusting Jesus yet. We're glad you're here. Maybe from a different faith background, thank you for coming to be a part of this tonight. I appreciate that. But God has you here for a reason. He wants to show you Jesus. He is calling you tonight to look at Jesus. Do you see what I've done? Do you see my love? Do you see how I want to forgive you? I want to save you. I want to transform your life. And so I would encourage you. I, I appeal to you. Turn from your sin. Turn from your independence from God. You're walking away from him. Turn your heart back to God and trust the Messiah. Trust Jesus to forgive you through his death on the cross, to forgive you for all your sins, all your past sins, all your present sins, all your future sins, to completely forgive you. Trust the Messiah, Jesus, to change you, no matter how unspiritual you feel, no matter how big sins are that have got a hold of your life. 
trust Jesus to change you and to free you, he will. The moment you put your trust in him, he will start to change you progressively. It'll be a beautiful thing. Trust him to forgive you. Trust him to change you. And trust him to fill your heart with the joy you always wanted, which is only found in him. And it is found in him. And you can taste of that tonight. Turn and put your trust in Jesus, which will result in being the center of your life. And for those of you who are already trusting Jesus, let me encourage you, let these eight reasons strengthen you even more. What right now is weakening your trust in Christ? Let these eight reasons go to battle against whatever that is. Fight against things that are weakening your faith. Think about these truths. Ponder them. Pray over them. Say, Lord, strengthen my faith through them. Let these eight reasons strengthen your trust in Christ even more. And as you think about these eight reasons, rejoice. The Messiah has come. He's been born. You know him. You're forgiven. You're being changed. You're being filled. He's come. He's here. That's why we're celebrating tonight. Let's stand. I want to pray. I pray, Lord, that you would bring your power upon those here tonight who are not yet trusting Christ and that you would open their eyes, soften their hearts, take out hearts of stone, give hearts of flesh, reveal the Messiah, Jesus, to people in this room right now, we pray in Jesus' name. And let faith rise and let joy overflow, we pray. And Lord, we want to celebrate you. We worship you. We magnify you. Thank you for all you've done in sending the Messiah. Thank you, Jesus, for coming. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.